right. You know, I just thought about something. I forgot to tell you how much the chairs were. So those of you that lifted your hand up for three or four fingers and didn't know, God bless you. They're only $100 each. Just kidding. <laughs> Small detail. No, they're $30 if you didn't know. I think, I think most people did. 30 that we're raising. I got to specify that too. They're actually more than $30, but 30 that we're raising. All right? Open up your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. I want to continue. How many are enjoying the series, fan or follower? Amen. Anybody getting anything out of it, getting challenged this morning? Amen. To draw closer to the Lord. I know that Wednesday we had a great service uh, when we talked about knowing Jesus, not just knowing about Jesus. Amen. Don't forget to, uh, before I forget, that uh, in two and a half weeks we're going to have our first vacation Bible school with the kids. And we need a lot of volunteers and helpers for that. And we were going to have a meeting this morning, but we need to get our family to the airport. And uh, some of the people aren't here that we need the meeting for. So we're going to have to pass that on to next week. But uh, God's going to move. If you do or don't like kids, we need your help. If, we, if you like kids, we, we, we need it more. Amen. And it, you'd be amazed at how much you'd be blessed by working with some kids. Um, it's a, it's a neat, you know, we can't uh, look down on touching kids. Me and my wife did it for many, many years. And now those kids we worked with are married. They're in their twenties. And you see that you made a, you planted a seed in their lives. And so we're going to, uh, we've got a thousand tickets coming for this that we wanted you to pass out to, this would be a great thing. If you know anybody in the neighborhood, if you see kids running around to go to them and meet that family Give them a thing and say, hey, we got this. This is one of those icebreakers. When you talk about people's kids, it's an icebreaker. You could not know that neighbor from nothing, but say, hey, we got something for the kids. And something softens in a parent's heart. And so uh, we're going to get those. They should be here tomorrow. And uh, that'll be this, not this, not this Wednesday, but two weeks from this Wednesday. It'll be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night from 6 to 9. And we're going to take all the chairs out and have church in here like a ch children's church. And then we're going to break the kids into, into age groups and uh, have competitions between them and everything. And it'll be our first Bible, vacation Bible school. So <clears throat> be believing with us on that. And, and like I said, we need your help. See Laura uh, or Jennifer um, if you have any questions about that. Matthew chapter 18, it's been great to have uh, our family here, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Marcella and Jose, with us. If you don't know them, if they just raise your hand right there and embarrass them real quick. They've been visiting for a couple weeks. And they'll be going back today, and so we're, we're kind of sad, amen, and, but uh, glad they've been here with us. We've had a great time with them. Um, I want to continue this morning on being a fan or a follower, and I want to talk out of the book of Matthew 18, verse 21. If you'd say amen, if you're there. And right before I read this, I want to say this might be and probably is the hardest thing that God asks us to do. And I want to, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. Followers forgive. Amen? Come on, say amen with you. I know this. I already know this one's going to be a tough one. Forgiveness is tough. But I want to show you in the scriptures how important it is and how much God expects it. And so we're going to read this, this story in Matthew 18, <clears throat> verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he says, up to seven times. And Jesus said, I don't say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Pay attention to this story. Who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had that payment would be made. That's some pretty serious stuff. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. That's a good thing to underline in your Bibles. Released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done. And his master, after he called him, said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers till he should pay all that, due, all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart, that would be good to underline, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Father, this morning we need your Holy Spirit on this message, God. We need you to speak to us and we need you to soften our hearts and we need you to give us the mind of Christ, Father, as we listen to these words that you're teaching us as followers of Jesus Christ. And devil, we come against you and all your plans and strategies and lies. And you are defeated by the precious blood of Jesus this morning. Lord, arrest minds for a few moments and open up hearts to hear your word Fruit would come out of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This is a powerful parable. And I want to show you a few things in it. And obviously, one of the things I told you, two things I told you to underline was one was compassion. And the other one was with your heart. How many have found out through this series that everything we've been talking about really comes down to this? A fan is somebody who loves God with his head. A follower is somebody who loves Jesus with their heart. Hopefully you've seen that through this series. And when you begin to talk about forgiveness, it is a, it is a topic that can make a person cringe. Can you say amen? Am I telling the truth? There's not one person in this place that's not been hurt by somebody. There's not one person in this place that hasn't been deeply hurt by somebody. And all across this place, we all are in different places and areas and things have happened to us in our lives that today we carry inside of our hearts. Things that have been done to us, things that have been said about us, things that have been spoken over us, wrongdoings. How many know that 99.9% .9 of the time we don't deserve the bad things that happen to us? Amen? Or they, we definitely don't deserve the pain that that causes 
So I want to talk about how a fan would be somebody who would probably choose and pick what they would forgive. But God expects a follower to forgive everything. A fan would say, hey, I'll forgive the fact that you, you know, you said something about me, or I'll forgive the fact of this, or I'll forgive. And a fan would pick and choose what suits him, or even with a person, they would forgive most things, but some things they would say, that I cannot forgive you on, and would hold it in their heart. And as we go into this for a moment, I want you to understand something if you don't understand anything else in the whole message, is that when you think that you're hurting somebody else by your unforgiveness, you're wrong. One of the biggest mind problems we have as people, not just believers, is that we think we're hurting other people that hurt us by not forgiving them. You are a prisoner in your own cell when you do not forgive. And I know it's human nature and it makes us feel good, we think, to hold a grudge. It makes us feel good to, 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 to not treat that person the way we should because they've done us wrong and we should treat them not with the same way as if they had not done anything wrong and that's just human nature. And it's interesting to me as we get into this and I kind of go over it real quick that Peter's no different. We've been talking a lot about poor Peter. Poor Peter learns slowly but he learns, Amen. Peter's always quick to talk and slow to listen, amen? But he gets it eventually, thank God. Some of us are like that. Most of us are like that. But it's funny as he comes up to Jesus, and Jesus is or he's thinking Peter's probably being convicted, as we all are all the time. We're always being convicted. If we're walking with the Lord, the spirit of conviction, not condemnation, there's a difference. The spirit of conviction is dealing with us. I pray for that for you. I pray for that for me. I say, Lord, convict our hearts. That means get us to a place where we're willing to change. And Peter was being convicted of his sins and the things he'd done and probably something somebody had done to him and the, the word that was being preached was showing him that. And so he came and he said, Jesus, I, I need to forgive, but how many times should we forgive our brother? And it's funny because sometimes you might think, why would, why would the number seven come there? Well, if you go back to the custom, the rabbis at that time would teach that if you forgave somebody three times, then you could revenge them. Okay? Three times. You've heard the saying, if somebody hits your cheek, you, you turn the other one. And then you've heard the saying, I only have two cheeks. So once I've turned both cheeks, the third time, I can get them back. Amen? And, but the rabbis would teach, forgive somebody three times, and then dumb is you if you forgive them again. Okay? So Peter was really being wise and saying, hey, the rabbis, thinking the rabbi said three times, I'm going to double that. Seven times, Jesus? See what he's thinking? Jesus knows what Peter's thinking. Peter's trying to do what he can do to forgive him a certain amount of times, count it on the fingers, and once that eighth time comes, I'm getting that person. But Jesus threw up a number that was ridiculous. No, not seven times, 70 times seven. That's 490. I got warmed up counting the chairs. Amen? 490 times he has to forgive somebody. And some people today, if you've read that scripture, you've got something in your wallet or your purse that's got a piece of paper on it that's got all the times and you're keeping track. And you're at 450 and you're like, okay, 40 more times. Jesus said a high number like that because forgiveness is forever. There is no certain amount of times he's saying that you should forgive somebody. Forgiveness is unlimited. 
I'm going to wait for just a few more amens on that. Because let me break it down to you as we get into these scriptures. Why? If we don't learn how unlimited forgiveness is for us, we will have that same limit for others. And the same limit we have for others, we understand. We, see, we're the kind of people that we want to be forgiven, but we don't want to forgive. And the whole thing of this message is us understanding that I can only forgive when I understand how forgiven I am. I can only forgive when I understand how forgiven I've been. So we see in this story, without going into it too much again, that Peter asks that question and he begins to tell the story of a man who had a great debt. If you read the numbers there, he had 10,000 talents. That was a lot of debt. Even if denarii and talents weren't the same amount, which they weren't, or sorry, were the same amount, 10,000 to 100 is a big difference. But besides the 10,000 to the 100, talents were way more valuable than denarii. A denarii was hardly anything. Talents were a lot more valuable. So 10,000 talents compared to 100 denarii was a huge difference in the, in, the, in the debt that those two people had. And the man with the huge debt comes, and, he, and, he's, and he's brought with the, with the leaders to pay that debt. That is us this morning with a debt that we could never pay. When we came to Jesus, we have to realize I had a debt and owed a debt I could never, ever pay for. It was a, it was a debt that was too high. And, and really, sin has brought me before God's throne, and I have to now pay the fiddler, and I have to give an account for my sins, and, and I have to stand before him. He says, look, you owe me a debt, and this is where God is. God has owed us a debt that we owe him that we did not do ourselves, but our our Adam and Eve's did, amen, and brought that sin nature into us. And when we're born, we're born into sin, and we're born with a debt. And that debt must be paid. And so God brings that person, that man brings that person before him and says, you owe me this, I'm putting you in jail. And that man repents. He says, I'm sorry. And, he, and he, it's such a repentance that he gets on his knees and begs that man. But how many know by the rest of the story, it was a fan and head repentance. You can't, we can't ask the Lord for forgiveness or forgive others with a fan or a head repentance. It has to be a heart issue. And that man asked for forgiveness knowing in his heart he was not going to forgive. Watch that. Knowing in his heart. And then not only that, here's the amazing thing about God. Remember that the guy in the story, the master's God, even though, I want you to get this, even though God knew that man was not going to forgive the other man, he still forgave him. That's where Romans 8 comes in. It says that 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners. Jesus did not say, when you become worthy of my salvation and my death, then I will forgive you. He said, I forgive you while I'm dying for you. Regardless of the fact of you accept the forgiveness or not, I still forgive you. That's love. And that's why the old saying is that Jesus will love people all the way to hell. He'll love them all the way to hell. He'll love them in hell. He will not put them in hell, though. We put ourselves in hell when we reject his forgiveness. 
reject his cross, reject the price he paid. We put ourselves there, but he said, I'm going to forgive you and humanity and all your past, present, and future sins, whether you accept it or not. I don't know if you're getting what I'm trying to teach you because as people, we are the kind of people that say, if you let me forgive you, I'll forgive you. If you accept my forgiveness, I'll forgive you. If you don't, have you ever gone to somebody and said, hey, I forgive you, and they say, well, what I do? What you forgiven me for? And then all of a sudden, something in you says, well, I don't forgive you anymore. Because your forgiveness was with a clause. That if they accepted your forgiveness, you forgave them. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I'm going to forgive you whether you accept the forgiveness or not. And then that man says, thank you, walks out, just like many people do when they encounter God, walk out and forget everything God just did for him. And then he goes and walking down the street, finds somebody who owes him hardly anything. Pulled, the Bible says he got aggressive and physical with them, pulled him aside and said, you owe me a hundred. Put him, his hand to his throat. He said, you owe me. That's the kind of attitude we've got to get over this morning. That's not a godly attitude. So forgiveness is a hard issue. How many remember last week when I was talking, I think it was Wednesday, when I was talking about the prostitute woman in Luke 7 and how she came in and she washed Jesus' feet with her hair and she cried on him and she broke that flask and she poured it all out. Jesus said these words to her in Luke 7:47. He said, therefore I say to you, her sins, listen, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. Her sins are forgiven, for she loved much, meaning her heart was right. And then it says, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. What that means is, is we have to get a revelation of the, re of the forgiveness of God. If you don't understand how much God loves you, and if you don't understand how much his forgiveness it means to you, you're not going to be able to forgive somebody else with that same measure. When you fall in love with God, as we talked on Wednesday, when you know God and you know everything about him and he knows you, as we talked about Genesis 4, and a yada know, meaning intimate, you get to a place where you really understand how much God loves us and how much he gave for us so we could be forgiven. That's why we always talk about as a believer, when somebody says they believe Jesus and love the Lord and all that, but they go out and they just constantly sin over and over again, something's wrong there. Because a true follower, I'm not talking about a mistake. I'm not talking about struggling with an addiction. I'm talking about the fact that you're looking for the sin you can get away with. That's not a, that's not a love relationship. That's a love relationship says, God, I know I fail, I know I make mistakes, but I'm definitely not going to do it on purpose because I love you and I'm thankful for your forgiveness. How many husbands and wives are going to have a good marriage if their husband or wife's always telling them, forgive me, I love you, but their actions aren't following up with their words? We have to be people of heart that says, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short of your glory, but I'm going to do everything in my ability to love you and not hurt you because I don't want to put you on the cross every day. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. I don't have time to get into it this morning because it's a whole other message, but Joseph was an amazing, 
amazing, amazing example of forgiveness. How many know the story of Joseph in Genesis? If you've never read the story of Joseph, get your Bibles out this week and read Genesis 40 to 47 and read the story of Joseph. It's a type of Christ. He was perfect. He did nothing wrong. He was out about his father's business. He was tending to the sheep. He was getting his brothers and telling them to come home like he was supposed to. He was doing nothing wrong. And his brothers were jealous of him and they took him and they beat him and they threw him in a pit and then they sold him into slavery. And I can't take all the time to go into the story, but through that story, Joseph begins to forgive over and over. And he has to deal with his own demons, amen? He goes to prison for nothing. He's in a, he's in, he's in a, 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 a place of the pit for a long time. He goes through all this stuff, never doing anything wrong, just like Jesus. And then at the end of the story, his brothers come and stand before him. Put yourself there. His brothers come and stand before him. And they need something from him, and he weeps, the Bible says. They don't recognize him because he's now in Pharaoh's place. He's got a totally different grid up. He's been many years. They don't rec- he's speaking a different language, and they don't recognize him, and he's crying. He has to walk away and weeps for his brothers as he's fighting the temptation to hate them. But forgiveness comes upon him, and he forgives all his brothers. And not only does he forgive his brothers, he blesses his brothers. I'm going to throw this in real quick so you don't forget it and you have it at the end of the message. When you truly forgive, let that simmer. Forgiveness is not just I forgive you. When you truly forgive somebody and God's involved, because you can't do it on your own, by the way. When you truly forgive somebody and God's involved, you not only forgive them, but a love for them comes into you. And it's proof they're forgiven. It's proof. How do I know if I've forgiven somebody? Well, if something comes and happens and it rises up again, it's not forgiven. Are you still here? I know you're deep in thought. How do I know if I've forgiven somebody? If their name is said, if you see them or something, and something comes back up like acid reflux. You're trying to keep it down, but acid reflux is coming up. And Pepto-Bismol is not around. Amen? That's how you know I have not forgiven them still. But if you see them, if they even say something or do something to you, and you do not get angry, you know you've forgiven them. We're going to end this this morning with a powerful example, but I want to give you another verse here this morning. If you go with me to Matthew 6 real quick, this is real important. Just go back in your... Bible a little bit towards the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. I I know this isn't a shout me down amen message, but it's good for us. Because this is an issue that is, is cancer. This is a cancer issue. And it spreads. It spreads and it spreads and it spreads and it kills. And I'm going to show you a verse right here. If you don't get anything else out of this, you have to Listen, you don't get to, you have to get this verse. Because I didn't write it. Because one thing I did for years, let me just quickly tell you, one thing I did for years was I said, I don't want to. I don't want to. And I'm not going to. How many been there or are there? I'm not going to. My parents won't mind me saying, I've had lots of things done to me. And I won't even go into, the, the, not my parents, by the way. My mom's like, wait a minute, what'd I do? I saw that look, mom. 
<laughs> her hair stood up, and she like, oh, Jesus, I did not pray enough this morning. Son, shut up. I've had, I've had tons of things done to me in the ministry that I could have unforgiveness for. Tons of people that have turned their back on me, stabbed me in the back. All I'm not even going to get into that. I've forgiven them. But how many know your blood is real difficult? And for many years, my brother that I love today with all my heart and have nothing against did some stuff to me, and he hurt me and my family financially. And I've talked about this before, and I don't care if he heard it, and I wouldn't mind. He knows. He's asked me to forgive him. But he hurt us financially. When me and my wife first got married, out of the goodness of our heart, we helped him a lot financially, tried to help him, and he turned around and caused me to have to do bankruptcy. How many know that that's, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. When it's financial, it's even deeper. And so anyways, I, he did that to us. He caused major damage. I thank the Lord for my wife who's never hated him or anything like that. But man, for years, I'm talking, I'm being honest with you this morning. For years, as a Christian and as a minister and as a missionary, I hated my brother with words I could not express. Hated him. Couldn't stand him. Didn't want to be around him. And every time he was around, it wrote, that acid reflux came up. I was cordial enough to not cuss him out and, you know, say, I don't want to be with you. But how many know what I'm talking about? And years went on, and as I began to preach, remember the message always for the preacher first. I can't preach anything to you God hasn't dealt with me with first. And for years, God began to deal with me, dealt with me, and dealt with me. He said, listen, I'm going to show you this verse real quick, and you know what I'm talking about. Look at Matthew 5. If you don't get anything else out of this, 6, right? Just making sure you're looking. Matthew chapter 6. I'm sure there's something good in 5, too. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Look at this and write it down, circle it, and wish it wasn't in the Bible. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. Praise the Lord. But look at the next verse. But if you do not forgive men their trespassers, neither will your Father forgive yours. Sorry. This is a verse that has lots and lots of people that love God chained to the floor. And when they pray, there's a roof that gets hit. It gets knocked. It, the prayer goes up and comes right back down again. Because if you're reading this as clear as it is, you can ask God, listen to this closely. You can ask, and my hairs are standing up on my arms. You can ask the Lord to forgive you all day long for your sins. And if you have something against somebody and have not forgiven them, your sins are not being forgiven. And you're in a bad place with God. That's a serious scripture. So why I said that is, get it out of your vocabulary, I'm not going to. You can say you don't want to, that's okay. But get it out of your vocabulary, I'm not going to, because you're only going to hurt yourself. And I finally realized at, that I was the one in my prison cell. I thought by hating my brother and holding a grudge against him that I was hurting him, and I realized it, nothing was bothering him. 
Amen. And he had a lot of influence. Amen. A lot of, he loved that, that liquor stuff. Amen. So he was kind of sidetracked a little bit. But it wasn't bothering him at all. It was bothering me. God began to deal with me. And then I began, listen to this, on my own to say, I forgive him. And guess what? Time passed, and I still didn't forgive him. Because you cannot forgive him in your own power. You, you need to get the revelation this morning that now that you know you need to forgive some people, you can't do it on your own. And I got to a place where I said, God, I need your help. I need you to help me forgive my brother. I want, and, and then not just I need you to help me, I want you to help me. Are you following me? I want you to help me. I don't just need it. I don't just know I, I want you to, God. I want to forgive my, I want to be in good standing. I want to, and then God began to show me through these times how much he had forgiven me. If you don't get an understanding and a revelation of who God is and what he's done for you, you will not be able to forgive somebody else. Go to John as I close. John chapter 8. This is another one of those messages that's so hard but so powerful. So hard but so healing. It's so painful, like a bad surgery, but so healing. It brings so much victory. Look at this quickly, John 8. You've heard the story. I'll read it quickly. Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he came again. This is John chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people came to him and sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, watch what this says, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. And this wasn't a rumor. It says, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, you sh that she should be stoned. What do you say? This, this they said, testing him as they always did, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. Some scholars will tell you that he's writing down their sins as they're talking about him, about her. There's many things that could be said of what he's doing. He could have been doing nothing. That's just speculation. But he's basically not paying attention to them. And he says he's, scr he's scribbling around in the ground with his finger. And they kept on asking him. And so he finally raised himself up in verse 7 and said these words that need to be healing this morning. Because now I'm coming on the down. Okay, I'm coming to help you. We're past the painful part. Now we get to the healing part. We're understanding we must forgive. We don't get to forgive. We have to forgive. We want to forgive. And we see what Jesus says here. And we must remember this. He says, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. So hit him hard. He's basically saying, listen, if there's anybody here that's never done anything to somebody else, then you're good. You can go ahead and stone her. And they began to drop their rocks one by one and walk away and leave. Because they knew, and that's where the realization comes in, we got to get to. We need to realize, you might, you might have the attitude, well, I've never done anything really bad to anybody. And this is where the whole 
gravity of sin thing comes in that God wants us to understand. Consequences are different between murdering somebody and stealing a piece of gum. But the sin is the same. In the aspect of, unless you ask for forgiveness for it, it will send you to hell if you don't know Jesus Christ. There's going to be a lot of horrible people in hell alongside a lot of really, really good people in hell that both did not accept Jesus' forgiveness. And there's going to be a whole lot of really bad people in heaven that accepted his forgiveness. Alongside those that were maybe good that accepted his forgiveness. It has nothing to do with good or bad. It has to do with accepting forgiveness. And understanding that I have to be able to accept forgiveness before I can forgive. Which one of you can cast the first stone? Go ahead. And they dropped their stones and walked away. He stood up. Rode on the ground again. Those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, one by one went away. Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. And Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Amen? So we should be able to forgive by the measure we understand we've been forgiven. If you're struggling with that, it's because you still don't understand how wicked you are. How much you need forgiveness, and I need forgiveness. But when you get understanding of how far you are from God without forgiveness, you realize we're all the same. And I want to close with this thinking. Go to Acts chapter 7 to end. Many of us would say these words and have these thoughts. You don't understand what I've been through. There are probably going to be those words spoken in heaven on the day of judgment more than any other words spoken. You don't know what I've been through. You don't understand. You weren't there. Why weren't you there? All kinds of things are going to be asked. And we are so good at blaming God for everything. And has there been a whole lot of things that have happened that innocent people got? Yes, of course. Did God do them? No. We live in a world of sin. Period. Don't go to hell over a mystery. Don't go to hell over why things happen that you can't understand. Personally, get a revelation that God loves this world. And people are sinners. I guarantee you, if I was a betting man, I could be a millionaire this morning betting on the fact that a lot of us in this place this morning have been deeply hurt. Deeper than I could ever express that you'd ever want to see be seen on a screen. Deeper than anybody in here would want to talk about deep by friends by family most likely by people who are very close to you those are the ones who hurt you the most and and that's that goes without saying this morning so a lot of times we think again that i'm not going to forgive because nobody understands what i've been through 
But I want to tell you somebody who does. Jesus. Because if you don't understand the cross, you must understand that the greatest thing that Jesus bore on the cross was not the physical pain. There's no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, having your beard pulled out of your face hurts. There's absolutely no doubt, scientifically or any other way, that having nails into your feet and hands hurts. There's no doubt being whipped till there's no flesh left on your back hurts. And on and on and on of the physical things Jesus went through. But there's also no doubt that the hardest and greatest moment of Jesus' life was between the sixth and the ninth hour on the cross when the presence of God left him totally for three hours. And he actually said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Even in your worst time of your life, listen to me closely, please, Jesus was there. Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he, all those questions can come in, and you can go to hell over that if you want to. But God's presence was there. But for three hours, Jesus was on the cross, not only in physical pain, but bearing your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world and all the unforgiveness of the world on his spirit. And then God turned his head. I cannot express to you enough, I'm not good enough to get you to understand how real that is. But I want you to know Jesus knows everything you've been through. Everything. And as many people say, God does not waste a hurt. And he has allowed you to go through that, and he's going to take that hurt, and he's going to turn it into something good. And it's part of our redemption. It's part of us understanding. If you've been really hurt, and you can have something forgiven that's really hard, as that verse said, your love will be greater for the Lord. And Jesus said to those men as they're killing him and he's dying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. And then I, li I like to get into people's heads and some people would say, well, that's Jesus and he was God and he was so powerful. But let's close in Acts chapter 7 because I'd like us to be able to relate to the Bible. I'd like us to be able to understand that if something's done in the Bible, we can do it too. We already know that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me and if he did it, I can do it. But there's many examples in the Bible like Joseph where these people were hurt by people, and they chose to forgive. And I want to read this real quick in Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and 60. It says, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Musicians, you can come. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Now watch these words. Lord do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep and died. This is the Bible's very first martyr, Stephen. I can't wait to meet Stephen. I, I want to meet him. Because what an amazing man. 
This man had taken the place of Judas. He was a disciple. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he began in this part of the Bible to preach the gospel. He began to speak words. And if you go back and read these verses that he talked about, man, was he talking like Jesus. He was spitting it out like it is. He was throwing it out straightforward. And they picked up stones and they stoned him to death. Can you imagine that this morning? No. Because our greatest persecution is that our behind hurts right now from sitting on metal chairs. Ouch. This morning, our Costa Rican church is having church outside in the hot weather because they don't have a building. And that's just Costa Rica. We won't go to Africa. Why am I throwing that in? Because we don't understand how good God has been to us. This man has just preached the gospel. He did nothing to nobody except say, yes, God, I'll serve you. Talk about a follower. Stephen was a follower. All the other guys were being quiet. Maybe it was his turn, but he preached. They start to pick up those stones. Has anybody ever been hit with a rock? They start picking up those stones. How many would have stopped talking? Come on, all of us. And then another guy picks up another stone. And maybe they picked up some little pebbles first. And he's like, I can handle that. Some big dude picked up a big old rock. He's thinking, nah, that's going to hurt. And then they start throwing them. Another one. He's seeing blood now. And he's like, this is my blood. Kept on preaching. Kept on preaching. These people weren't saying amen. They weren't saying good word. They were throwing stones at him. And they weren't throwing them just to say, you know what, I don't agree with you. They were trying to kill him. And they kept throwing him. And they kept throwing him. And they kept throwing him over and over and over again. I don't know if you're getting this. People have heard us. People have said things. This guy was on his, he was on his way out. He's going to die. And they keep stoning him. And at some point along the way, he gets to a point, I'm trying to get you there with me. And Saul, by the way, is over there holding everybody's coats that turns into Paul. He's watching it and consenting, the Bible says, unto his death. He's happy. He's cheering them on. People are cheering probably and saying, throw it harder. Oh, that's so mean. Have you ever been to a fight where you're sitting there going, hit them harder? I've been to those fights. I've heard it. We're mean people. We like fights. We like blood. Today, UFC is one of the most popular things in the world because there's blood everywhere. Blood, gore, violence that's attractive. It was no different then. At one point, Stephen realized, I'm probably going to die from this. They're not going to stop throwing stones. So I'm not going to stop preaching. He realized he'd already died when he accepted Christ. So he figured to live his... He he knew those words before Paul ever did. Because he probably... Paul, when he wrote those words, probably thought back on Stephen. To live as Christ. To die as gain. And he kept on getting hit kept on getting hit 
probably starting to have problems breathing. He's probably hemorrhaging now. His blood, his head's half open probably. I mean, to die from stoning, you got to be pretty messed up. And, and, and the Bible says as he, his spirit is going up, he didn't just go, God, thanks for letting me die for you. He said the most powerful words in the Bible. He said, God, don't hold this against them. Wow. Wow. I don't, I don't know if you're getting this this morning. I hope God's helping me. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. They're killing him. How do you die and forgive the person that's killing you as they kill you? I'm just trying to see to get you to see the gravity. Maybe compare, not lessening what has happened to you. Not in any way being disrespectful. Not in any way not understanding or being compassionate of what we've been through as people. But this man forgives his murderer. We've heard of stories of the families forgiving. But this guy's forgiving the murderers as they're killing them. I don't know if I could have taken the time while I'm dying to stop and think about everybody else. But he did. Lord, don't charge this to them. There's such a powerful thing this morning in forgiveness. And guess what? There's two options. You can do it and be healed, or you can hold on and keep dying. It's your choice and my choice, and it's a personal choice. It doesn't make you bad or wrong, but we read in the scriptures, it's going to put you and keep you in a place God cannot look at. Please get that revelation. I'm not condemning you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to get you to understand. You cannot say, I won't. It is not an option. You can only say, God, I don't want to. But I need your help. And then as, you're, as he begins to place that compassion in your heart for whatever those things, those people that have been done to you. And as I've been preaching, I know people's faces have been popping up. I know things have come back into your mind. I know all kinds of things. Those are the people right there that today need your forgiveness. And the first thing you're going to tell me as we close is they don't deserve it. And I'm going to say, I agree. But guess what else I'm going to say? Neither do you. Did you get that? Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word.